Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Life in the Red, our Nebraska Cornhusker podcast here at the Lincoln Journal Star. For all of you regular listeners, this might be might be a new one. We got a new crew in. Uh, myself, I'm Luke Mullen, our new Husker beat writer. Be covering Husker football and Husker baseball. And all of you to listen to our last episode, you got introduced to Amy Just, our new columnist. Amy, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. So, you know, hopefully we'll be able to add a video element to this, uh, maybe get third person, you know, get some different perspectives in. But for today, just us two. And this is kind of our fall camp introduction, introduction to the football season in a sense. Um, obviously, we'll, you know, we'll keep up with breaking news, whatever happens, you know, week to week previews as we progress, but really wanted to get the chance to sit down, talk about the roster a little bit, and just what we've seen so far. And one of those things, you know, those early season opportunities, Big Ten Media Days out in Indianapolis, great event every year. Amy, you got to travel out this year. Uh, just what were your impressions of, of Big Ten Media Days? Yeah, so that was my first real event at, in this position, which it was a lot like drinking out of a fire hose is the phrase that I keep coming back to because it's so much. I hadn't met Frost. I hadn't met Travis or Garrett or Quentin. And it's just, I'm going in there completely blind, um, so to speak. So it was a lot for me, um, but it was really eye-opening in a sense that Nebraska was first to go because they all needed to be back here in Lincoln for fan day. And the next day, of course, was their first day of practice. So it was a, a little bit different than what you normally get um, at one of those things just because of Nebraska's time constraints. But it was definitely interesting. For sure. Yeah, definitely a lot going on. A fast-paced environment there at times. But, you know, one, one of the things that people were kind of interested in and Let's dive into a little bit, you know, the opening statement, the lack thereof, you know, perhaps just Coach Scott Frost's demeanor. You know, generally, I think he's he's pretty, pretty businesslike, not the most, um, you know, happy to be doing media the entire time. But just what did you kind of make of Frost's approach and just what he said about the season there? It was so the opening statement thing was a little bizarre, but it, it caught everybody off guard if the. If we in the media or if the moderator knew that he wasn't going with an opening statement, I think it would have been a little less jarring yeah. just because none of us were prepared mm-hmm. to, you know, wait. Sure. You know, we, we were prepared to wait, excuse me, for to listen to what he had to say. None of us had microphones yet for those who wanted to ask questions for example, Kevin Warren went right before him, and his opening statement went like 20-some minutes. We weren't expecting that out of Frost. I don't think anyone was expecting that out of Frost, but definitely a happy to be here, good to be here, ready to kick things off is pretty standard, uh, so it was a little jarring uh, for him not to open with one, but it's his right also to not open with one. But it just took everybody by surprise, and I think that's why it was a little more awkward um, than it could have been had we known that he wasn't going to do that. For sure, yeah. And, I mean, I, I think, you know, the rest of his presser wasn't, you know, too much out of the ordinary. It was, no, it was pretty, pretty much normal. standard frost, what you kind of expect. And, I mean, you know, the, the players did a good job, I think, given a little context this year's roster, Garrett Nelson, 
Uh, Travis Vokalek, I think both did in particular a great job, you know, talking about their position groups too, which was kind of, you know, some of the interesting things to hear, you know, both those guys, obviously, um, you know, you get, you get selected to media days, they're leaders on that team. They're guys that, you know, they expect to play a big role. Uh, so I thought it, I thought they did a great job in that regard. And one, one of the other interesting things was, you know, you mentioned Kevin Warren, obviously, there's been a lot of movement in the college football landscape this offseason. And, you know, he, he rightfully, you know, answered a lot of questions, you know, talked about different schools that the Big Ten might be interested in adding, you know, was it, I guess, surprising for you to, to hear him say, you know, some of those Pac-12 schools, the Oregon, Washington, Stanford, you know, were, were you surprised that he named them in particular or, or what'd you kind of make of Kevin Warren there? Yeah, you you never know what you're going to get with Kevin Warren. Yeah. Um, he was very detailed in some ways and then, you know, a little more opaque in others. But yeah, he also said that, you know, the, the future of the Big Ten, quote, may include further expansion, but I, I don't think they're done. I think the may is a will. I just don't know what that will look like, um, and I don't know if anyone knows just yet what that will look like. All the dominoes have to continue falling. Yeah. But it's whatever the landscape looks like two, three, five, ten years from now – it's going to be drastically different, I think, than the landscape of college athletics we're looking at right now. For sure. I, I think it could be one of those things where it's kind of like, you go first. No, you go first. Because yeah. you kind of got the Pac-12 and the Big 12. They're fighting against each other. They're, they're both trying to kind of hang on. Obviously, you know, Big 10 and SEC are positioning themselves very well. You know, ACC still looking strong, you know, in that regard, too. Um, so it's kind of in, interesting to see if Will it be some Big 12 schools that continue making moves, or will will that Pac-12, you know, group that the Big Ten is interested in, will they be the ones to, to go first is kind of kind of the interesting thing to look forward to. So we'll see how those dominoes will fall. And that was just kind of Big Ten media days. Like you mentioned, you know, early in the morning, Nebraska got in, got out, and got back for fan day. Nice event. You know, I was there for, for a few hours. Always a good chance for, you know, all the fans to come out, see the players, Obviously, everybody's pretty hyped up. You know, you get to a month before the season. You know, it's pretty much prime hype season for the fans. So, nice event, pretty good weather, and really gets us, you know, kicked off into here the fall season. But before we get into some of the different roster breakdowns, the different things we want to look at for football, I think we got to talk a little volleyball. There was some big news came out. Kayla Caffey, you know, a player that has kind of been uncertain. Her status has been uncertain for. A few months. months now, yeah. And it came out, our, our Brent Wagner did a great story on it, if you want to go to journalstar.com and, and check that out. You know, ultimately the news came out, she won't be returning to Nebraska, and she makes a statement saying, hey, it's because I wasn't offered a scholarship. And it's, it's kind of an interesting situation. Obviously, the COVID year, you know, scholarship limits, the roster limits, you know, incoming freshmen that have scholarships promised to them. It's a tough, tough situation, but... I mean, Amy, do you think do you think she was kind of slighted in this process? I mean, you, you have to imagine that she wouldn't have transferred so soon before the season if she had an inkling that this was going to happen. Yeah, it's, it's a little bizarre. Um, I don't think there are truly any winners yeah. in this situation. You know, it's – I have to imagine how frustrated Kayla feels because – 
let's just say she did hear a few weeks ago. That's still only, it's less than a month away from practice starting. And, you know, she entered the transfer portal this week. A lot of programs around the country, they start practice in 10 or fewer days. And that's tough. You know, at this stage, how how many programs have available scholarships to give? True, yeah. You know, it's just, it's crunch time right now. And she showed that she wanted to be here. She practiced in the spring. She played the beach season. She was around the team this summer. And she showed she wanted to be here. And it's just unfortunate that the math just didn't work. And I don't, I don't know if it's anybody's fault. Yeah. Because that's the situation we're in. When everybody was given a blanket year, you run into issues when you already have commits who have been committed to you since they were freshmen in high school, eighth grade sometimes. And so you run into problems that the pandemic created. Um, You know, of course you had to give everybody an extra year. That's super unfair to all of them, but now we're seeing some of the repercussions as to what happens when more people have more eligibility than you thought. When you were doing roster math four years ago, this was not something that anybody envisioned, and that's just where we're at. And it just, it sucks, frankly. Um, But hopefully Kayla will find a landing spot and uh, things can move forward, and she can play her seventh season. Absolutely. And, I mean, really really talented middle blocker, too. So, I mean, from a, a roster standpoint, you know, the Huskers will still be strong. Caitlin Horde, uh, Becca Alec, and Maggie Mendelson, the two freshmen coming in. And, you know, you mentioned players have been committed for a long time. Well, Becca, she's been committed since she was a freshman mm-hmm. in high school here. So, you know, she's been waiting a long time for that chance. You know, obviously this, this move will open up a lot of playing time I think for those younger players which I, I guess that's kind of the positive if you're if you're looking for one obviously there was a lot of you know youth freshman impact the talented freshman last year so that'll be continuing for Nebraska volleyball this season but obviously best of luck to Kayla um, you know finding a spot here in in crunch time for for the upcoming season and next up let's talk some football so you know, that's something Amy and I will be doing a lot of in, mm-hmm. in the coming months. We'll be very busy here. And, you know, we just kicked off fall camp, our first real media availability today after their first padded practice. And, you know, it, it's a little bit hard to get a perfect read, you know, on the depth chart at this point of the year. Obviously, we get we get closer to that week one game, week zero technically against. Yeah, week zero. Yes, that's <laughs> going to be hard to I'm gonna remember. I'm going to keep calling it week one, honestly, because <laughs> it is, you know, week one for Nebraska, not week one for the rest of college football. But as we get closer to that, I think we'll have a lot better idea, a lot of the different spots nailed down. But, you know, want to give you a little update, run through some of these positions and just see kind of where we think Nebraska's at, who, who those presumptive starters will be. And why not start off, you know, most important position on the field, quarterback obviously we've got a new starting quarterback for the first time in a couple seasons Casey Thompson seems to be the guy in from from Texas Amy what do you make a quarterback yeah so for now it feels like to me that the quarterback job is Casey Thompson's to lose I mean Frost he you know said he was gonna wait as long as possible to release the two deep but in the same breath he also said that 
Casey will take the first reps with the ones, and then a lot of other guys will get reps and see who plays the best. So to me, that looks like Casey's going to start getting those reps, and it's his job to lose. You know, He has a lot of experience. He's played a lot of good football. Um, he played hurt a lot last year, too. Uh, I don't know if any of y'all have seen the photos of his hand from after that Oklahoma game. If you're squeamish, I wouldn't. Um, and he played <laughs> through that. So I'm interested to see if he truly is the guy, how how he can do here. Because um, there's just been a lot of moving pieces all over the place, and it's going to be fun to watch, I think. Definitely. I mean, we'll, we'll get into some of the different offensive positions, but – I mean, you're looking at a new offensive coordinator, new quarterback, new wide receivers coming in. Uh, so that'll be, you know, that'll be the challenge for Thompson to conquer. Uh, but obviously, thumbs fully healed, you know, all good to go in fall practice. So that, that kind of gives him the inside track. And when we're looking at running back, too, you know, one of those other key spots on, on offense, it's kind of been a revolving door, I'd like to say, you know, for, for the Huskers the last couple of years. You've got guys who you think are going to be the starters, and then they kind of fade out guys who you think have talent, you know, to be backups, and they play a big role. You know, last year in particular was kind of tough. Obviously, Ramir Johnson, the leading rusher, but, you know, Gabe Irvin got hurt earlier in the year. Jock Yant had a big game and kind of faded away. Um, you know, a couple other players in the mix there, too. So you get a new running backs coach, Brian Applewhite, coming yep. in, you know, bringing in a few of his guys as well. It's kind of a very interesting mix of players at that position. And, you know, I, I would really anticipate Ramirez going to see a lot of time on the field. I think, you know, his, his skills as a pass-catching back will, will help him out there. Um, pass protection is going to be huge, you know, on the, in that offense that, you know, Whipple wants to run. There'll be a lot of throwing the ball. Obviously, that's one of Ramirez's strengths. But at the same time, you've got to have that versatility. And, you know, one of those guys, Anthony Grant, the junior college transfer coming in, you'd think he, he's going to be ready to play right away. Um, you know, the other question marks, Irvin Jr., you know, is he as explosive as last year? Is he ant ready? Is he, is he in good physical condition? Um, so, you know, I, I think Ramir is that guy that you kind of look to as that leader right now, but there's a lot of different faces in the mix there too. Yeah, and I mean, that's what you want. You want competition, right? Sure. So it's, I think Applewhite's going to bring the best out of all those guys and we will slowly start to get a sense of where that room is at um, once – more practices are underway once we can watch some practice sure. right how much <laughs> of that is very limited of course but yeah once we get some eyes on things i think a lot of question marks will uh go away definitely yeah and i mean it's one of those positions where somebody's going to get the touches no matter what so yeah. we'll you know we'll see in a couple of weeks what we're looking at in, in terms of the key contributors at that position and you know the other key skills position there on offense Wide receiver, you know, same thing coming in. Some some different guys, you know, returning that made an impact last year, but, you know, didn't lead the team in catches or anything like that. And you got some really, really good transfers coming in. Obviously, Trey Palmer, he's he's the guy everybody's excited to see there on the field. I, I think he's going to be pretty dynamic, you know, whether they put him in the slot or, you know, pair him up on the outside potentially. But, you know, could, could return kicks as well, obviously, some of the other names in the mix, Omar Manning, uh, you know, had a little bit more consistency last year. You know, a, a guy that Husker fans were super excited about a couple of years ago. You also got Marcus Washington coming in from Texas. Alante Brown's back. Oliver Martin's back. And another transfer, Isaiah Garcia Castaneda. Um, also looking there to, to make an impact. You know, Huskers have had a lot of transfers. Obviously, Samari Toure 
came in last year and he he just stepped in right into that number one wide receiver spot. You think Palmer can can be that guy this year? I think so. I think it says a lot about a coach when you have a player love you so much that he transfers to follow For you. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and he's talked about that a little bit, you know, how he considers uh, his coach to be a bit of his father figure, which is really endearing, I yeah. think. And in that, you're going to get everything out of Trey Palmer. He's not going to leave anything to question. And I'm, I'm excited uh, to see what he does. When I covered LSU, I le- my last season covering them and only season was 2018 and he got there in 19. Um, so I've watched a little bit of what he's been doing over the past, you know, couple of years. And I, I think he could be the real deal, especially when he's with a coach that he's familiar with. Absolutely. And I mean, you look at that coach, Mickey Joseph, I mean, he's coming in with great pedigree there at LSU produced a ton of first round, you know, NFL draft picks, ton of guys, obviously, you know, big time recruits coming in too, but he coached them up, you know, it wasn't like they didn't improve there. So, you know, you, you get a bunch of these talented guys in and you got to think, you know, a whole off season with Joseph, he's going to, he's going to have his guys, he's going to show them what they need to do and he's going to get them ready to play out there. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch, I think. Absolutely. I keep saying that, but I do mean it. That's not <laughs> like filler. Like, I'm just excited. I'm excited to see what this offense and yeah. this defense too, right, uh, can do. There's just so many moving pieces. It's hard to know what you're going to get, and I think that's fun. And I don't know. We'll see. Maybe maybe I'm an optimist. I don't know. Well, I mean, that, that <laughs> is the thing about the roster this year is the defense is, you know, it, it's pretty standard. You've got same position coaches back, same coordinator, a lot of returning starters. Offense is the one. You get the transfers in. You get the question marks, you know, the, the new system potentially. So I think, you know, it's, it's completely warranted to have some excitement to see how that plays out on the field. And one of those other positions, you know, tight end will, will make their mark. You know, it's been a, an important part of this offense, you know, having that guy over the middle. Austin Allen last year had a heyday doing it. Obviously, Travis Vokalek, you know, we mentioned him at Media Days. He'll be, he'll be the guy. You know, there, there's a lot of different... I think interest, you know, in the backup position, obviously you have the really high-rated uh, recruit, Thomas Fedoni, um, still recovering from injuries, you know, still TBD, might not be able to play until late in the year, if at all. Chris Hickman, he's been injured some, and you know, there's, there's some different guys you can contribute there as well, but obviously Vocalex's job to have uh, there at tight end, he'll be a big impact. And also, you know, in, in the same breath, you know, offensive line, it's, if there's any place that there's a lot a lot of different moving pieces obviously the o-line you know you, you get five starters you're gonna have that i think you know with any college football program but particularly at nebraska this year you know lo- losing left guard to suspension losing your center to the nfl you know your guys to graduation as always it's really kind of made uh, <laughs> a real mess of things you know for this coaching staff to figure out and you know, health, obviously the tackles um, is going to be a, a big question, but, you know, just Amy, this offensive line so far, there, there's a lot of different guys, but h- how do you think this coaching staff is going to try to piece that together in the next couple of weeks? The Having the offensive line on the same page and fully healthy is, to me, like the biggest thing for success. Yeah. You have to have an offensive line that is on the same page and healthy, especially when you've lost so many guys Mm -hmm. and changed 
isn't always a bad thing, but Cam's really talented, right? And so filling that spot is big shoes to fill there, um, and it definitely doesn't help when one of your starters is going to be out for the entire year, and, you know, they were really going to rely on him this year. And here we are, um, you know, I'm sure – I'm sure he feels pretty bad about what happened, but the past is in the past. You can't change it, right? And it's just the success of Nebraska offensively 100% will come down to the offensive line because whoever's back there, whether it's Thompson, Purdy, Smothers, whoever's back there, right, if they don't have an offensive line protecting protecting them, it's going to be for naught. For sure. Yeah, Norton Nulli, by the way, the, the left guard, yes. one-year suspension um, from the NCAA. And he you know, could be back next year, could play that role. You know, we'll, we'll see what his Husker career has left to offer. But either way, you know, a big big position opening up there at left guard as if there weren't enough moving pieces there right. on the offensive line already. And you contrast that, you know, we'll, we'll move on to the defensive side of the ball now where there are a lot, and I mean a lot of veterans coming back. Obviously, you know, some additions in the portal. Obviously, you know, some recruits have some time to, to build up their pedigree as well. But the defensive line, you know, it, it seems like everything we've seen from fall camp so far, they're leaning more towards a, a four-man front this season. Obviously, you know, it'll depend on the, the down and distance, you know, some of the different situations. Bringing in a, a nickel back, you know, versus – uh, you know, a, a four-man front, four linebackers, you know, we'll, we'll see depending on the package. But likely Ty Robinson and, and Nash, Polar Bear, Hutmaker up there in the middle, both those guys are going to be huge, you know, huge factors for the team this season. And you look at the edge rushers, and I think I think edge rusher might just be the most talented position on this team so far. You know, O'Shawn Mathis, Garrett Nelson, Caleb Tanner, I think you're really looking at those top three guys. Jamari Butler also, Blaze Gunnarsson might be able to contribute. Need a lot of depth at that position, but you know th- those top three guys. You know, y- you got to think they're they're some of the best in the Big Ten. You know, coming into that spot. Working in the NFL for the last three years, one of my favorite packages that the Saints did. They call it their NASCAR package. They have three defensive ends, edge rushers on the field. Typically, it's used in you know third down situations. Ooh-wee, that would be fun, wouldn't it? Ooh, ooh. We got like we got an NFL scout over here. You're breaking <laughs> you're breaking down these NFL packages. I mean, I wasn't I wasn't prepared for this, Amy. I gotta watch some film if you're gonna be if you're gonna be breaking breaking this knowledge out. I mean, it's just I like quirky stuff, you know. I like, you know, nickels and dimes. Yeah. You know, some fancy stuff. Um, not fancy, but you know, different. And I think if those three could get on the field at the same time, whew, getting shivers. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, I think it is possible, you know, because you look at a guy like Garrett Nelson. I mean, he has the range to play outside linebacker. Obviously, you know, he, he, he did that last year, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of the times in different fronts. And O'Shawn, you know, the big transfer from TCU, a guy who's produced in the Big 12, I think the Big 10 should be great, should uh, be a good fit for him in this defense, you know, the ability to rush the passer and, you know, help out along that defensive line as needed. And kind of the, the flip side of, you know, having this four-man front, you know, having those edge rushers is the linebacker group is a little bit more interesting. You know, the, the inside guys are, are locked in, I think, for the most part. Luke Reimer and Nick mm-hmm. Heinrich, 
you know, the, the two leading tacklers, tacklers from a year ago, exactly what you want from your inside linebackers, you know, those guys who can stuff the run. But if one of those guys goes down, you know, that, that's going to be a major, major problem. So I think, you know, building up that depth is going to be the key thing there at linebacker. Um, you know, you're looking at Garrett Snodgrass as a returning player, Ativa Clements as one of those different players as well. And it seems like the coaching staff pretty high on Ernest Hausman, in-state recruit from Columbus, a great kid who played outside linebacker to start his high school career, moved to inside linebacker last season, perhaps a little little seed planted by the Husker coaches to say, hey, got to get ready for that position. So we'll see. We'll see how that kind of shakes out there at linebacker. And one of the interesting things is, you know, the, the official Nebraska roster this year, they officially have a nickel position. You know, I, I think a pretty big indication of where the coaching staff is looking. Obviously, we had JoJo Doman in that role the last couple of seasons, but it, you know, it, it seemed like it was more of a, a JoJo position than necessarily something they had defined in their defense. Well, obviously, they're looking to continue that. Doman's off to the NFL, and either Isaac Gifford or, or Chris Kolarovic are kind of the two main guys there. Uh, both saw the field just a tiny bit last year, kind of special teams. Um, Kolarovic moving from linebacker as well. Um, you know, Amy, any any thoughts on how they're going to utilize that nickel? Yeah, so you've seen it, again, in the NFL yeah. for the past several, several years that defensive backs especially are becoming more and more positionless. You can swap a lot of guys out. Like, your nickel can be a linebacker, can be a safety, can be a corner, can be whatever you need that to be, just depending on the skill set and the size and what they bring to the table and – like I said a little earlier, I love a nickel. I think I think it's great, especially when you're going up against, you know, offenses that are that lean more RPO, or they've got you know, a, they're going up against a quarterback who's got a cannon, right? Yeah. The more talent you have in your secondary can only benefit you, and I think that helps with a nickel, whether that is a linebacker or a guy who is playing in your as a secondary position whether it's your safety or a corner Mm -hmm. and I mean both those guys I think have have great range great speed um, which are you know a couple of the traits you definitely look for there so we'll we'll be very interesting to see how they utilize them you know are they on the field for the majority of the snaps or just some of those passing downs or different you know situations so that will that will reveal itself over time but you know the secondary behind them then is kind of if you're looking for, I guess, a question mark on defense, I think it's the secondary. The and, entire secondary. Yeah. Not just corner, not just safety. Because there have been so many. I mean, look at last year's depth chart and then look at this year's. Right. You yeah. say that, oh, yeah, defense is, you know, less question marks, but secondary, secondary is a big question mark, I think. Yeah. And, you know, we, we got the chance to hear from defensive backs coach Travis Fisher today. Uh, media availability and you know one of the questions posed was hey you've got a ton of different guys who are looking to contribute you know is it is it a blessing or a curse to kind of have that situation and you know Fisher he's a great guy he's kind of an optimist he said oh no no curse at all always just a a blessing to have that many talented guys but at the same time I mean I think it it, would have made his job a lot easier if he had a senior leader you know in that room versus what we're looking at is a lot of sophomores you know, a couple of transfers in, guys that are juniors. Um, so some new players, you know, learning the ropes. 
obviously I think you're going to be looking at Quentin Newsom and, and Miles Farmer as, as your leaders. Yeah, as, as two of those guys who have been here. You know, they've been in the room. They know what Fisher expects of them. But then it's kind of like, who's going to step up beside them? Because, you know, even even those guys aren't going to be able to be on the field, you know, all the time. There's going to be some rotation needed. You know, we're looking at Braxton Clark, Tommy Hill, you know, maybe they're at cornerback, you know, Omar Brown, Noah Cola Gates, uh, Deshaun Singleton, all those guys, you know, at, at safety are also in the mix. So it's going to be, it's going to be a challenge. I think, you know, that that's the spot in fall camp in particular that, that really needs to be sorted out there at the secondary. Good thing we're only at day three. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So I think, you know, that it's kind of a, a good rundown of the depth chart as we have it so far, obviously, you know, specialists, those will be sorted out too. Um, and, and as at the media days, you know, Frost said he'll, he'll try to hold off, you know, setting that too deep as long as possible. So it might be right before they head out to Ireland when we finally get a sense of, you know, what the coaching staff officially sees that too deep as. Um, but hopefully, hopefully we'll have an update here in, in the next couple of weeks. If not, we'll just continue to prognosticate and it'll be fine. Ooh, <laughs> what a big word for a podcast. Proud That's of myself. Right. <laughs> Well, let's let's prognosticate our three <laughs> our three three burning questions for fall camp. We'll have a, a little bit more discussion here to close out the episode. Uh, you know, we, we touched on a little bit, but you know, is is the offensive line at full health? You know, we've we've gotten the chance to hear about a few different players. Teddy Prochaka at, at left tackle, you know, seems to be progressing well, but you know, some of the other positions, Trent Hickson, he's coming back there, potential center. Um, you know, Brock Bando, is he at full health there? And, of course, the tackles, Turner Cochran and Bryce Benhart, both those guys um, had been a little bit dinged up. So, you know, it's impossible to say. Obviously, you know, the, the injury stuff is kind of kept under wraps, but is that offensive line at full health at the moment? Seems unlikely, don't you think? Seems unlikely. We'll find out more um, or as much as we can, right? As much as the coaches will divulge uh, when we talk to offensive yeah. coaches next week. Um, maybe there will be a surprise, but it just, with everything going on, it doesn't feel likely. But if you want a positive spin on things, they're working their way back. It's camp. Everybody is. Absolutely. And I mean, first day of, you know, padded practice today, um, we, you know, we didn't have the offensive coaches there, but defensive line coach Mike Dawson, he said, both the D linemen, the O linemen, they loved they loved having the pads on, you know, getting a little ugly Shocking. down there. Yeah. So <laughs> good experience for everybody that who who was out there. I'm sure they they relished it today. Linemen being physical? Shocking. I'm shocked. <laughs> That's right. All right. Well our, our second burning question also touched on a little bit, but you know, who settles into those skill positions? Running back, obviously. You know, there's some different players in the mix. Wide receiver, I think, is is going to be a little bit more up and down, you know, the amount of guys who can get on the field. We saw that last year. I mean, there were there were games where definitely, you know, six, seven different wide receivers, you know, saw the field. Obviously, not all of them made catches. But, you know, Amy, do you, do you think we will see that again? You think we'll see six, seven different wideouts on the field, you know, over the course of a game? It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's good to keep guys fresh. Um but we also need to look at what Whipple likes to do mm-hmm. and take some cues from that. Um, how often was he rotating guys, that type of thing? Because, you know, the past uh, gives us clues for the future, so they say. And I, I think that'll be true here, too. Definitely. Yeah, and I mean, you look at some of the tempo, too. I mean, Nebraska's 
Scott Frost, he's always wanted that tempo here. You know, Pitt seemed to have a really good tempo mm -hmm. as well under Whipple. So, you know, you, you get that fast-paced offense, and obviously, you know, your, your conditioning is going to hold up some, but you still got to rotate a lot. So I think I think you're pretty spot on with, with some of the different rotations there. Yeah, this is uh, our, our third question. You know, thankfully, we got we got a little bit of insight today. Uh, you know, question, who's, who's the leader in the secondary? And thankfully, that, that was asked of Coach Fisher today. And, you know, his answer was, of course, uh, Miles Farmer, you know, one of those guys that he's going to look to. And the other one, uh, Marcus Buford, Deshaun Singleton, uh, you know, also mentioned there. But Buford there and Farmer, you know, two of those guys that Fisher's seen a lot of leadership so far. Obviously, still some time for, for other guys to progress. But, you know, what, what, what do you just think about Miles Farmer, the, ro the role he's going to play in that secondary? He, he has to be a leader. Yeah. You, you need one, and he, I think he's the perfect fit for it. I know it's a lot of pressure, um, especially because there's a lot of young guys in that room. But I think it'll be all right. I think he'll handle it okay. Definitely. Handle it okay. I cannot enunciate today, <laughs> y'all. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you know, first first podcast this season, we're shaking off the rust just like the players are. So, you know, oh, yeah. hang with us by our 10th, 11th pot of the year. Then then we're going to have to check on those. <laughs> yeah, my brain moves too fast. It's fine. It's fine. We're moving on. We're moving on. <laughs> That's right. So let's, you know, let's wrap it up a little bit of a final discussion to close this one out. You know, after, after working through the, some of those position groups, um, you know, thinking about the roster makeup a little bit, our question is, you know, does Nebraska's offense or defense have the higher ceiling in 2022? I'm going to say defense. And why? I just I feel that way. No, um, there's, there's more... There's a little more stability there. Yeah, for sure. You, you kind of know what you're getting. Um, you know, they they played relatively well last season, and the addition of Mathis, I think, is going to be a lot bigger than people think. I mean, it's already been, you know, when he announced that he was coming to Nebraska, even, I wasn't even here yet, and my timeline was completely flooded with national people talking about Mathis and what he could bring to the table here, and I – I think that he could really be a difference maker, and uh, they just got to figure out what they're doing in the secondary. But I still, I still think defense. Yeah, for sure. Mathis, you know, he was the top, I think, transfer portal edge rusher available. Yep. Um, so obviously, a, a huge addition there. And well, well, I do agree with you. I, I do think the offense has a really high ceiling too. You know, it's it's maybe harder to say that it's going to be higher than the defenses, but. I mean, particularly if you look at the passing offense, I mean, Nebraska was already top 25 passing offense last year. Whipple, Whipple had a top 10 passing offense there at Pittsburgh. Now, does that make a perfect marriage right away? I don't necessarily know, you know, if they're going to hit the ground running, you know, in terms of that passing offense that they want to have. But I do think, you know, if, if Thompson can click, he has the traits needed to, to really succeed in that Whipple offense. You look at the guys at wide receiver, obviously I think Trey Palmer has all the talent in the world. I think Omar could really improve there as a senior, make a big impact. I, I really like Joel Kaleka tight end. And, you know, running back, offensive line, that's going to be that's going to be the big thing. You know, is it going to be a balanced offense? Are they going to have the time in the pocket, as you said? Uh, but I, I do like the potential there for the offense. But mm -hmm. the flip side is there's, there's potential for that to go wrong, too, if, if some of those things don't all come together. I'm not saying that I don't think the offense can do good things. I just need to see more um, – I just need to see the offensive line with my own eyes yeah. before I make a bold prediction like that. Um, but we'll see. 
yeah. we'll see. The defense, the defense is a safer pick right now, and I think it, it'll continue to be that way until we see Nebraska there in Ireland, and then then we can really see you know how those how those players are picking up the offense so far. And you know, looking at it, we're we're less than a month away. We'll Wild. have Wild. We'll, yep, we'll have a lot more preseason, you know, fall camp information to come. Uh, you know, stay tuned, journalstar.com, Husker Extra, for all of the combined coverage between us and our, our friends there at the Omaha World Herald. Uh, so we, we really appreciate all of you, you know, tuning in. New season of Life in the Red podcast. We look forward to bringing you more discussion, you know, more information about the team here in their coming weeks. But thank you all for, for tuning into this first one of the season. I've been Luke Mullen. I've been joined by Amy Just. And thanks for listening, and enjoy the rest of your day.